everyone and welcome to Sharing the Journey for June. Today I am with Mandy. She's going to be sharing her story. Before we start that though, I did want to let you know that I don't think there's going to be an episode for July because during June I'm going to be working on another audio project that takes a lot of time and editing and such. Um, It's called Audio Mo, and it's a challenge where you post audio every day in the month of June. And since I'm a perfectionist, I like to edit mine and make it sound all nifty. And so it takes a lot of time. And so I'm probably not going to do an interview uh, for unless I do a bunch ahead of time and then there will be one. But if there isn't, uh, don't worry, the podcast isn't going away. Uh, I'll be back in August. So anyways, hi, Mandy. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So um, I met you on, I think, a Facebook disability group, and I don't know a whole lot about you. So I'm looking forward to learning more. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and uh, your your current life, and then we'll jump into the rest of your story. Okay, sounds good. Um, so my name is Mandy France, and I am a mother to two young boys, ages seven and four. Um, I am also the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Keen New York, um, and we provide free programs of exercise, fitness, and recreation to children and young adults with disabilities in New York City. Um, And I'm a disability advocate. So I also do have my own podcast where I talk about my disability experience. So it's kind of me in a nutshell. (laughs) What is your disability? So my disability is called arthrogryposis multiplex congenita. It's a really long name. Most people either just call it arthrogryposis or AMC, um, but it is a neuromuscular disability. So it affects my joints and my muscles. Um, So I use a wheelchair and have um, limited use of my arms and hands. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, And it's, I was born with it. um, So, you know, had it my whole life um by it being congenital just meaning that you know it's not something that like is um hereditary it was kind of this one-off thing that happened so no one in my family um that I'm aware of has it so just me tell me a little bit about your childhood and your um school experiences and sure like that So I was born and raised in New York City. I still live in New York City. Um, And I was in a school that was actually designed for um, students with disabilities. So it's kind of interesting because it was, you know, it's technically a public school, like it is funded by the state, um, but is also kind of private in that it was only for Um, students with disabilities. So the school is called the Henry Viscardi School. And it's a really unique program because it runs from preschool all the way up to high school, 12th grade. So I spent all of my um, like young education life in that school from pre-K to my senior year of high school. Um, And yeah, it, it was a really unique school in that it was very technologically advanced. So even when like computers were just first coming out and things like that, we had the kind of top technology, which was 
really such a benefit. Um, you know, I knew how to use computers at a pretty young age uh, when it really wasn't common. <laughs> like people didn't even have computers in their homes yet. And I'm like, I know I, I'm not that old. I'm only in my thirties, but it, really technology has just advanced so quickly. <laughs> um, and the, you know, some of the benefits is that the classrooms were small. I was in a class of 12 students and every class had a teacher and then like an assistant teacher or a paraprofessional. So it was mm -hmm. like this two to 12 ratio. So a lot of um, kind of dedicated attention and support. And then the school did also offer additional supports like physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, we had students who were hard of hearing or deaf and um, they had speech therapists and um, hearing therapists and really just a wide, wide range of services, kind of all these wraparound services for students. Um, so it was really a, a great experience. The school was small. There were only about 300 students in, in the entire school. Um, so, you know, it had its pros and cons. I definitely grew up essentially with the same group of people, um, but it did make going to college um, kind of a culture shock because I was out in the you know real world, so to speak, uh, which was kind of different uh, going from the small, very like attentive classrooms to just a typical college class. Hmm. What did yeah. you study in college? <laughs> so back in the day <laughs> when I was in college, um, I majored in political science and minored in psychology. And at that time, my plan was to go to law school and I was even studying the LSATs and everything. I thought I was going to be an attorney. I had no idea what kind of law I wanted to do initially. Um, and then I had discovered a program in child advocacy and I was like, oh, that seems like right up my alley. Um, and then, you know, life just kind of happens. Um, in 2010, um, unfortunately, I had gotten really sick and had to withdraw from college. And when I did that, I um, started working more regularly at a summer camp that I had been attending when I was a child. Um, so when I turned 18, I started working at this um, Bible camp that I went to for like six years growing up. Um, and I kind of worked my way up the ladder with that organization. Um, so I was going every summer. I started off as like a counselor. Um, then I started working in their program, um, like was department. It was it a camp for the disabled or was it a yeah so it 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 is it was a camp for people with disabilities there were actually two camps like sister camps that were on the same property that were just separated by like a big hill um and so the one camp was for individuals with disabilities and then the other camp was just for inner city youth um and we did a lot of collaboration but i was the program director for a number of summers at the oh, camp cool. for children with disabilities and in 2012 they started a full-time program where they were looking for people to do outreach ministry in the city um which is where i live and um i applied for that and i did that until about 2014 so from 2012 to 2014 i worked um for the ministry full-time and developing like after school programs for students helping churches do outreach to youth in the community um, and things like that. So really a great experience for sure. That would be cool. 
Yeah. 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 It really was. I, I really got to meet a lot of great people and um, people that I still maintain good friendships with today. Did you, were you going to a Christian college or? No, I was not. Um, I was in just a, I was in a city university um, in New York, um, regular college. So, but like faith has been a big part of my life. So the camp, like I said, I, I went there as a camper. I started going there when I was six years old um, and I went every summer until I was about 12. And then I would go for, they would have like these kind of weekend retreats in the fall and the spring that I would go to. Um, and I did that pretty much until I turned 18 at the point when I started to work um, as a counselor at the camp. Mm. So for many years, like the camp was my church. Um, my family didn't go to church. Um, but when I was six was really, I had this kind of like spiritual experience, um, where I became a Christian at six and then recommitted my life to Christ when I was 17. Um, because I felt more, not that it wasn't a choice when I was six, because it was, but I think my, you know, obviously my level of understanding of what that meant to like be saved and be a Christian was very different at six. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I was 17, I um, kind of rededicated my life to Christ. And then um, in 2013, I actually was baptized. Oh, cool. Yeah. So how did you gain the, the understanding of like how to teach the churches how to do ministry or I, I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of it, I think, just stemmed from my experience in working with the youth. Like I said, I grew up in New York City. Yeah. Um, and I think just having the experience working with kids with disabilities in particular, but also um you know, just kind of working with kids in general was really where I like where my strength was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I definitely took time to like study the Bible on my own and myself. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like, it's definitely great to have like a degree in Bible or to go to seminary or go to a Christian college. But when you look at the Bible and you look at like the people that God used in the Bible to spread his message, they were like, not the expected people. <laughs> like they didn't have, you know, all these like scholarly knowledge of the Bible um, or of what God wanted necessarily. He kind of used the unexpected people. So, well, I think all of those things are great and definitely there's a space for that and needed. Um, a lot of, I think, what I had to offer and what I have to offer just comes from my own personal relationship and my personal experience with God. Um, mm -hmm. And then just being able to connect with youth on a level that they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So what happened after 2014? Where'd you go then? Yeah. Um, so 2014, my oldest son was only about six months old um, and there were some significant leadership changes um, within the organization um, and things just didn't really align kind of anymore with my belief in ministry and how, you know, I envision ministry working. So I ended up leaving and kind of took some odd jobs for a couple of months, but in early 2015, um, I actually started working at the current organization that I'm at, which is Keene, New York, um, and I was a part-time program coordinator and then slowly kind of worked my way up, um, and in 2017, I was promoted to the executive director of the organization, so I've been with Keene for, I just made six years, actually, um, 
in April 11th. So just a couple days ago. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a really cool program. It is. It's really great. We work with about 250 to 270 um, young people with disabilities in New York City. Um, we operate programs in like four of the New York City boroughs. Um, and all of our programs are free, which especially in New York City, but really anywhere is difficult to find these days. Um, but we pair, you know, each child with a volunteer. We're pretty much a volunteer-based organization. Um, we only have two employees, so myself and a full-time program coordinator. Um, and everyone else is a volunteer. We typically work with about 2,500 volunteers a year um, who just come and dedicate their time to like work with the kids. And um, we do swimming and yoga and basketball, just lots of like fun activities to get the kids active, um, just keep them engaged. Um, obviously with COVID, you know, we had to pivot all of our programs to Zoom. So we've been operating online um, for just over a year now. But mm -hmm. even with that, we still have volunteers that are leading those programs, which is really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your kids. I guess I should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my kids are great. So um, they just turned seven and four. Um, I get this question a lot as to whether or not they have disabilities. And right now they don't have any um, diagnosis. They um, are developing typically as far as, you know, we can tell. Um, so like I said, my disability is not it's not contagious. It's not hereditary. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. Um, I do share, you know, kind of on my podcast, that whole journey of, um, what it was like to be an individual with a disability and be pregnant and kind of the birthing experience, which, um, was very unique. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done, I think in the medical fields when it comes to, working with people who have disabilities. Um, there's still a lot to be done socially. Um, I think there's still a lot of stigma around, you know, the disability community and what people expect of people with disabilities. And I think it was very um, kind of shocking for a lot of people that, you know, I was pregnant and had a baby and, you know, I get asked all the time, like, oh, well, did you like, how'd you deliver the babies? Like, was it a C-section? Did you have them, you know, like natural birth and things like that? So um, there, there's still a lot of just question, I think, around what people with disabilities are really able to do. And sadly, I think still just a lot of surprise when people with disabilities are living pretty typical, like average lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do live a pretty, pretty average life. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I, I work, I have my kids. So just kind of a, a pretty typical life. <laughs> okay. So um, who has inspired you along your, your faith journey besides the people from the camp and um, that's a great, great question. Um, I, so I didn't start to go to church until I was about 21 um, when I, you know, had like moved out of my home. And there are a lot of people that inspired me. I mean, to be honest, there are definitely a lot of people like from the camp, the organization itself that inspired me. I still... So actually the the director of the person who was the director of the camp who really first taught me about faith um, is now 
teaching my oldest son. He does a Bible class with her, which is just pretty amazing. It's awesome to have that. Um, But she, her, her name is Gail and she really had um, a significant impact. You know, she was one of the first people to teach me about God. And um, she just has a heart for like disability ministry and wanting to make sure that like people with disabilities know that they are also you know, image bearers of God and um, that they receive discipleship. Um, And I think between her and then the person who was the assistant director at the time, whose name is Allison, they were really the ones who gave me the opportunity to work at the camp. And that experience really was transformative for me because it made me come out of this place of just receiving and also like really just going out and being a disciple. You know, I think that there's kind of this thing, like when you go into a church as a person with a disability, there's kind of this expectation that you're like part of the congregation and you're there to like receive healing or you're there to receive prayer or the messages, but there's not a lot of um, opportunity, I feel like, or invitation even um, for people with disabilities to then also be disciples and to disciple others. Um, And the camp, being able to work at the camp really gave me that opportunity to serve others and to have that experience of not just being the one receiving, but using like the knowledge and the experience that I had with God to um, be able to like pour into other people. So So I would say the camp really did have the greatest impact on me. And there were definitely people along the way in different churches that I've been a part of um, who encouraged me in my faith. So, um, you know, I would say in 2017 or so, I started to really kind of question, like, why do I believe the things that I believe? And um, I guess go through what is now termed like a deconstruction of faith and also just reconstructing my faith and really having a faith that was independent and not just depending on, you know, like what people taught me and just kind of accepting everything as black and white. I think that there's a lot of gray area in faith that people want to have these very like strict answers for that aren't very strict. So it's just, it's a journey, you know, I, it's a journey. I think the Holy Spirit is just constantly at work um, and constantly teaching us. Were you doubting like, God or were you more doubting? um... Yeah, that's a great question. No, that's, that's an interesting thing. I wasn't doubting God or like the existence of God. Um, I think, um, you know, there were some things I, I think what tends to start a lot of people on this journey is like being hurt by the church, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and the church that I had been a part of for about seven years, Um, it still exists, but not in the form that it was (laughs) before. Um, there were a lot of things that happened with the pastor leaving and, and things just kind of changed. Um, and those things had kind of hurt me and the kind of new policies and new ways that people were kind of being treated, um, had hurt me. And then I left the camp ministry when I was working for them on relatively good terms Um, externally, but there were a lot of internal hurts that had gone on towards the end of my time with them in that leadership transition. Um, And so I think a lot of my questioning initially came from like hurts that I felt like, you know, other Christians had done. And so 
I think a lot of people, when they're hurt by someone who identifies as a Christian, they automatically kind of put that pain onto God. And they're Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, well, God hurt me when that's not really what it is. And so I think in 2017, 2018, I started to kind of go through this process of separating and recognizing like people are people and humans are not God, humans make mistakes. And while we are called to do our best to be like the body of Christ and be his hands and feet, we are imperfect as humans. And so that's why it's so important to have that like direct relationship with God um, because like, he's never going to fail us. Like even if people do. Um, So that, that was what it was for me. I think it was just trying to separate the hurts that people had caused me um, and separate that from like the fact that, you know, God still loved me and, you know, how could I be like a better Christian? How could I not repeat the mistakes that people had done to me, to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you work through that process? I mean, did you read books? Did you, I mean, yeah. obviously you prayed, but you know, I did, did you- I did. I did a lot of praying. Um, I started like a, I started keeping a prayer journal where I was, you know, writing letters. Um, it was not an easy it's still not, you know, I, I think once you start that process of questioning, it's not something that ever ends. Um, and I just, I think it's so important for, like I said, for us to have a place. And a lot of people are scared to do this, like, especially in the church, like, it's so scary to like question your pastor or to question something that you're told. But like, I, I cannot believe in a God who is like alive and well without having those questions, you know, like I believe that we can go to God directly and bring those questions to him. And we should be able to do that without fear because that's how you get to, even when you're in a relationship with another person, like that's how you get to know someone. You spend time with them. You ask them, you don't do that through a third party. Um, And I definitely believe, obviously, I believe in church. I believe in the importance of being part of the community and corporate worship and all of that. But I think that it's more important that you have that like personal relationship. So, you know, I I prayed, I do, I still read a lot of books. Um, I really try to read things that um, challenge, I guess, like traditional Christianity or challenge ideas that, you know, I was raised with and some things, you know, I learned new and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That aligns more with like a loving and just and merciful God and other things, um, you know, I read and I'm like, "Mm, I think that's a little too far. I don't think that aligns with it. So Mm. it's just kind of that constant, like critical thinking, you know, just constantly like taking in information and evaluating it. And I think just being open to being wrong and like what I believe today may not be what I believe a year from now based on experience or evidence or new information that I get. Um, So I think just being open to that. And I think a lot of Christians are like very scared to be open because, um, you know, I've heard like, it's just too easy to stray and things like that. But I think that, you know, God tells us to like seek him. And I, I don't think that, you can really seek him without asking those hard questions. So are there any resources that you would recommend um, for people to read or listen to or besides your own podcast, of course? 
Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. There's that shameless plug. Um, um, you know, I, I really think like reading the Bible is super important reading it with like an open heart and an open mind and not reading it just like with your kind of traditional perspective on things. Um, the book for me that specifically in the disability space has been really powerful is um, it's called the disabled God. Um, and that book challenges people's perspective on like disability and the Bible and how you can reconcile like being someone with a disability um, and not viewing yourself as, you know, someone who's being punished or someone who, you know, um, needs to be fixed. Um, so that that's definitely one that I would recommend for a disability perspective is The Disabled God. Hmm. That's an interesting title. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a really good book. Very, very challenging, um, like very different perspective for sure. How does having God's presence in your life on a daily basis make a difference to you? Oh, that's a great question. You know, this year I think has been one of the most challenging years for a lot of people. Dare I say like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, when I used to read that verse that was like, you know, pray without ceasing or, you know, always be in prayer, pray constantly, just depending on the um, translation that you read. I did not really know what that meant because I was so used to like formalized prayer where, you know, you had to bow your head and close your eyes. And like, it was kind of this whole thing. Um, but I have really like my prayer life has really transformed in that I have like regular conversations with God. And I think that, you know, I obviously believe that God should be like, you know, revered and that he's holy and that, you know, there are ways um, in especially in formal settings to approach him and, and pray. But I also think that God is just like, your best friends or should be like your best friends and that he's not so small that he can't handle the hard emotions that he can't handle um you know your daily life and so I am pretty much in regular conversation I mean the way that I'm talking to you like in my head pretty much all day long I'm like talking to God about different things mm -hmm. um and I think once I started once I stopped viewing God as this like I do view him as a father figure, but once I stopped viewing him as like what a human father figure looks like, um, and I really viewed him as just like my best friend, the like the one that I could go to with anything and everything, that really like transformed um, my relationship with him. So having God's presence in my daily life, like it's, it's pretty essential. I mean, I can't, you know, when you asked me like, was I during my, um, deconstruction like what was I questioning God um I was questioning him but not his existence right and right. I, I I know some people have gone through deconstruction and sadly come out on the other side as atheists or like non-believers mm -hmm. um but that for me I've had such personal experiences with God such like real spiritual encounters that I could not deny like God's existence so um 
yeah, it's, it's crucial for me to have God's presence in my life, you know, pretty much every day, all the time. And the last question that I have um, is, um, in what specific ways is the Lord working in you and through you recently? Or you can, you can, you can pick your past too, if you want, but yeah, no, um, (laughs) you know, my podcast has been a journey. Um, even right now, you know, I'm kind of like on a hiatus. I haven't recorded in, you know, maybe three or four weeks. Um, and I need to get back to it, but God is always pushing me in new ways. Um, the podcast, when I started it, I didn't think it was going to be a thing. And granted, I, I don't have thousands of listeners, but I regularly have people reach out to me and say, when's your next episode coming out? Like, we want to hear your thoughts on this or that. And the podcast has become its own ministry. Um, and every time I have tried to kind of pull away from it, I am always brought back to it. (laughs) Um, And I believe that God is just giving me a story to tell that like, I need to be sharing with other people. And I I remember when um, a friend of mine first told me like, you need to share your story. People need to hear your testimony and your story. I just was like, I felt very cocky about it. I was like, "Mm, like, I don't want to be cocky. I don't want to share my story. Like what makes me so special to like do that? Um, But when I receive messages from like young women who say, you know, that my story has empowered them or um, when I hear people who are non-believers come to me and say, you know, like, I don't share the same faith, but I respect like your journey and your faith so much. And like, I'm more willing to even listen or be open to like hearing more because of the way you present it or because of, you know, your heart. Um, That's a huge deal. You know, that's like really big. And so I think that God is using me and my story and the life that he's kind of forming um, to help me challenge people in the best ways. Um, And I'm not like a confrontational person. And I think when people think of being challenged, a lot of times it comes with this connotation of like being confronted and like almost aggressive. And that's not me. I'm very much like, here's my experience. And if someone can learn from that, um, if someone can, you know, take something away from that, that changes them or empowers them to be better or to be closer to God, um, that's amazing. And so I do think that God is using me to kind of build relationships that are unexpected and to reach people that you may not see walking through church doors, um, just really reaching people that are typically not open to um, more traditional ministry. And where is your podcast and what's it called? How does someone go about finding it, you know? Yeah, so um, I it's mainly on Anchor, but can also be found on, you know, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, kind of all the major, major places you would listen to a podcast. And it's called Find Your Beautiful Life Through the Eyes of a Christian Disabled Woman. Very cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share about before we close or? 
No, this is just a really great opportunity. I appreciate like the ministry that you're doing and having people share their stories. I, I believe that that personal connection is so important and that like relationship is what really changes lives. Like you can read a book, you can listen to a sermon and that could have no impact, but really getting to know people's hearts and, um, you know, having people share their journey, just like what you're doing, I think is so powerful. So I appreciate the opportunity and, and the work that you're doing. Um, so definitely looking forward to like all of your future interviews and just thank you for starting this and um, putting in time and giving people a platform to, to share their hearts. Thanks. I, I, I really pray that it blesses people. I really do. And if you can think of anybody who'd make a good guest, send them my way. I sure will. I sure will. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right.